I am joined today by NWSL Washington Spirit owner Steve Baldwin. I am thrilled to have Steve on, especially because it looks like the NWSL will be the first professional team sport in the United States to come back to play with the Challenge Cup beginning June 27. Hello, Steve. How are you today? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on your show today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's let's get right into this on the Challenge Cup. That's that's right around the corner. Uh, if you would just t- take a moment and and share how we got to the Challenge Cup, how we got to Utah, um, and getting all the teams to participate uh, in a one month uh, tournament. Will do. So, you know when uh, when COVID hit in mid March and we and we kind of ceased operations as uh, in terms of preparation for, for our regular season. Uh, We started the league office started working on various scenarios. And, you know, one of the things that's, that's interesting is our new commissioner, Lisa Baird, I think it was her first or second day that this stuff hit and she got thrown in front of a, uh, uh, a fire hose of, of things that she had to deal with. And, and she's done a great job as, as has others in the league office, but we started working on various scenarios in terms of returning to play. We looked at starting our schedule in June, in July, in August. And as time progressed, we thought it would be, uh, uh, uh the league came up and, and Lisa was instrumental in this in, in coming up with the idea of doing this tournament and we we picked uh utah as a location really for several reasons it uh it's had a low level of incidence of of coronavirus we have venues and uh hotels that we can really uh contain and manage that uh we thought it was the right place to to hold the tournament throughout the process uh lisa stayed connected with our uh, players association and, and the players in the league to, to, uh, to make sure they were aware of everything that was going on, identified concerns from, from them, uh, particularly around the medical protocols and things like that. And we, we put together a, a really good plan that uh, uh, the players, that the players support and were really excited about. I, and I imagine Lisa's background at the USOC helped in terms of thinking about a, a camp or um, a village almost where everyone's living and participating as that's what they've been doing in the Olympics forever. Yeah, that's, that's spot on, David. You know, it's uh, uh, it, between her and, and the, 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 the team in Utah, they could they could rely on that past experience with the Olympics and uh, to help craft to help craft this this approach, and uh, we're we're very very confident that we have a a well thought out plan uh, that'll be very safe for the players because that is indeed our our top priority, but we're really excited about being the the first league league back. It it struck me with the announcement yesterday how much coverage that the league got uh, in, in all forms of media associated with uh, uh, the announcement and being the first, the first back. And uh, we're excited about it. 
Yeah, talk about that, just being first. And I mean, uh, guinea pig is the wrong word, and I hate to use that as the example, but there are going to be a lot of professional sports owners, teams, media networks, players, and fans watching you um, and learning from you. Um, and so is there an added sense of responsibility in that, or is that just really par for the course because safety and health is paramount anyways, so it didn't matter if you were going to be first or fifth in line. Yeah, and in the big picture, I don't think it really mattered if we were first or, or fifth. You know, I think everybody is going to be uh, uh, scrutinized in terms of their their approach and, and, and things like that. <clears throat> I think the biggest thing that, that enabled us to be the, the first uh, league back to play is really our our size. So we, you know, we have nine teams, we have give or take 250 players. And because of that, our size, we should be more nimble, more responsive, uh, have a greater velocity than, than other pro, pro sports leagues. And I think that uh, that workforce in, in getting this done, you know, it, it really put us in a position where we have the benefit of being the first league back and the additional exposure uh, that, that that's going to get, but we're able to do it in a way that doesn't change in, in any manner, the level of safety for the, for the players and our attention to those types of details. So it's, it's all good. And, and of course we, we both start every sentence with safety and health first, um, which is critical, but, but outside of that, the last 10 weeks for you, uh, personally and professionally, or just start professionally with the Washington Spirit and your desire, excitement, anticipation, just wanting to get uh, the women back on the pitch and, and getting fans back in the stadium. What's the last 10 weeks been like for you? You know, there's, there's a huge part of it, David, that has been incredibly frustrating. You know, our club built a tremendous amount of, home, of momentum coming off of, of 2019. Uh, we're the youngest team in the league. We uh, uh, had some great progression during last year, and and we really felt we were poised to take the next step competitively and make the playoffs and and make a run at at a trophy. The uh, our team started preseason training. Uh, players started coming back in the market in February. In early March, we went down to Florida because we wanted to to provide a a better preseason experience for the players. And then we get derailed because of COVID. So it's, it's been incredibly frustrating as, as a team because of those things. And it's been frustrating as a league, you know, the league also had tremendous uh, momentum coming into this year and uh, you know, building upon the new media contracts that we have with, with CBS and Amazon Twitch. Uh, it's been a more attractive product for sponsors we kind of got put in pause. And, and so uh, from the player's perspective, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of our group. Uh, it hasn't been easy for them, uh, but they've been, they've been great troopers about it. Uh, they've worked collaboratively with us in terms of things we can do to occupy their time. They've been doing a ton of uh, online interaction with, uh, kids with fans with youth clubs uh, to to occupy the time and, and really make a, uh, an impact 
one of the things I'm most proud of that they're doing is one of our new relationships this year is with Children's National Hospital and kind of building upon the work that uh, Tori Huster and Rose Lavelle uh, launched for us last year in the, in the area of childhood cancer awareness. Um, we've been work, our, our players have been FaceTime pals with kids that are in the cancer ward at, at Children's National. So uh, it's, while it's been incredibly frustrating because the players want to play and we want to see them play and, we, and, and things like that, there have been good things that come out of it in terms of their work in the community that I'm, that I'm really proud of them for. Mm. And personally for you, um, being involved and being an owner of the Washington Spirit, um, why did you make that choice um, in your business life to do so? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I, I come to this game as a soccer dad. And right. in a lot of ways, David, I think it, it gives me a unique perspective, you know, as it, as it relates to our players, everything we do, I kind of put through, through that lens of, of what, what would I want for my daughter and uh, in, in her experience on and off, off the field. So that kind of has helped shape our, our strategy. It's, it's, it's because of my daughter and, and her experience in, in soccer that I've seen the types of impact that the game has on, on women on and off the field and the impact that the women can make off the field in, in the community that uh, it really brought me to this. And, you know, I thought as I looked at the business models at both the club level and the league level that we had to make some significant transformations. We had to think bigger uh, and, and uh, really capture the, the full potential of what, uh, what lies in this sport and, and the, the women that play it. And so that's kind of why I got involved. It's, uh, I can tell you I've never worked harder in my life. It has been, uh, uh, you know, I've been a serial entrepreneur in IT and I've built and sold several businesses to this point and still have two uh, that, that I operate uh, today. And this has been probably the hardest business of, of, of all of them, just, uh, just because of how much change that, that needed to take place and, and the time frame that, that I felt like it needed to be accomplished. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's been, it's been very rewarding. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of people that, that I've met that I never imagined I would meet before and, and, uh, have been exposed to a lot of things and, and learned a lot of things. So it's, uh, uh, it's been a lot of hard work, but it's, it's, but it's been very rewarding. And you talk about the time uh, with your daughter and youth sports. And I certainly miss, never thought I'd say how much I miss being on the road. It feels like every day with my three kids and courts and fields um, that we, we all desperately do. Your, your thought just oh, big picture and even tactically on youth sports right now. And um the challenges ahead of after-school programs and yeah, travel and club, but also recreation um, and just opportunity or, or what may, what may go away in the near future with this. Yeah. My, my, my hope is that we can get back to normal in a, in an expeditious manner. You know, I, I think, I mean, the coronavirus has been an incredible tragedy uh, in terms of the number of lives that have been lost. Uh, 
but it's also been a there to me there's kind of a hidden tragedy that hasn't been really spoken to in a, in a significant way about the the impacts of the virus to uh, uh, to kids in in terms of their lives and how it's disrupted their educations how it's disrupted their their uh, 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 extracurricular activities and, and those experiences. And so my hope is that they can get back to it uh, uh, as quickly as possible. I'm sure there's going to be some things that, that have to change, but, but like you, I miss uh, those days with, with my, with my daughter where I've, I mean, I've literally traveled the world with her. I've probably been in 20 countries and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, all throughout all throughout the USA, uh, having the experience of watching her play. And so I know how rewarding that is as a parent, and I know how rewarding it is as a kid, and all of the life lessons that that come from sports that you really can't get anywhere else. And And my hope is that we can get back to it soon. You know, one of the things that we're dealing in the youth soccer landscape is uh, U.S. Soccer disbanded their academy program with both the boys and the girls, and so some of that has to has to flush out. As the owner of of the Spirit, we have we have really uh, transformed our approach to to youth clubs. Uh, prior to my involvement, we had uh, you know youth clubs viewed us as a competitor. We were operating our our own youth teams and. And they weren't, weren't the, the youth clubs weren't really working with us in a collaborative manner. And so we, we shut down our, our youth teams last year and got out of the business of, of competing with our, with our youth club partners. And now, um, and we've implemented what we call the Alliance program, where we have so far approximately 40 youth clubs in the, in the D.C. area. That are that are now partners with the Spirit. We have uh, various marketing opportunities through their platforms to, and to their membership, as well as incorporating them into really the secret sauce of the Spirit, meaning interactions with our players, interactions with our which are with our coaching staff. So during COVID, for example, our players have been regularly conducting zoom sessions and and things like that with area youth clubs uh kids and teams and where we literally have several hundred kids at a time participating in them and they they may discuss our our players may discuss you know things that they've learned through their experience or they may discuss specific skills and 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 things like that so you know there there is this is a time of change in, in the youth market with, from a variety of fronts, but I'm hoping that the kids can get back at it soon because just as much as I want to see our, our players back on the field, I want to drive down the road and see hundreds of kids playing the game and, and having the fun that, uh, that you want all kids to have. Yeah, me, me too. Um, well said. You talked about this job uh, being the hardest um, based on the change you needed in the time frame that it needed to occur. I'm curious, are there other pro sports men or women um, that uh, you've either learned from or have seen some best practices that you think about as it relates to um, how to do that with the spirit and the league? Or just uh, is it more of 
personal mentors and, and peers and those that have experienced change in short periods of time? Yeah, so great question. So one of the, you know, as I came into this, I knew that there was a ton of things that, that I needed to learn. And, uh, uh, and, and I also needed to expand my, my network. I had an instinct that this was a relationship-driven business, but I didn't really appreciate it until I, I started getting into it in a, in a much bigger way. But there, there were two relationships that, that, that we established that have been really important to us. So the first one was with uh, uh, Drew Mills of Mills Sports and Marketing. And Drew is the older brother of a uh, friend of mine since third grade. And I really didn't understand what, what Drew was in business doing. But at my 40th high school reunion in 2018, I was talking to, to his brother and he explained what, what Drew did. And I connected with Drew. And one of the first pieces of advice that, that he gave me was that uh, you, you need to get more exposure. And so he, he helped us get the, uh, uh, the, the broadcast agreement we had locally with NBC Sports Washington last year, where for the first time all of our games were, were shown, shown live on their regional sports network. That that elevated our status. We had players that, that attended camps and wizards games and made appearances. And, you know, it started, started getting our brand out there in a, in a different way. Um, Drew was instrumental in the, in the partnership uh, that we have with, with Geico, you know, getting that type of national brand aligned with us was uh, critical to establishing credibility with other folks that we uh, sought to, uh, work with. Another piece of advice that Drew gave me is that you have to be patient. These things take time to, to build. The second relationship that was really critical to me was um, former Senate Majority Leader Tom Daschle. And Tom was instrumental for me in expanding my network. So, you know, having 35 years plus in the, in the IT space here in the D.C. area, I have a good network of, uh, of uh, IT folks that I, that I could connect with, but I really had zero in, in the sports world. And, you know, I never played in, in the political game uh, uh, and really had relationships with, with uh, congressional members and, and things like that. But my sense as I came into this was that DC had an opportunity to kind of become the center of universe for women's soccer. Um, first, every World Cup, there has been activism around equal pay. And I had felt we probably had a chance that that, that, that would happen again and it would get congressional attention. The other thing that you have in DC that's, that's unique as a market is that Every Fortune 1000 company uh, either has a CEO that works here or somebody who reports to the CEO that works here. So I thought that there was an opportunity to get to the right level within organizations to get decisions made regarding sponsorships. And Tom brought a lot of those types of relationships to the table for me and has been very, very helpful on, on that front in, in terms of getting us engaged with, with these folks. So 
you know, those are, those are two of the relationships that, that, that really helped. And while Drew's background is all sports and, and Tom's background really wasn't in sports together, they, they gave me what, uh, what, what I needed. And, uh, you know, from there, it's really just pounding the pavement, so to speak, and, and busting your butt to, to, uh, uh, to start building these relationships and understanding that you're that you're planting seeds that that are going to take a while to grow and you know bringing folks in to experience our matches and and at both Audi Field and the Soccerplex last year bringing folks in to to experience our training sessions holding salon dinners with with Tom where we bring corporate executives and our players together so. So, so these folks can hear our players' stories and and start forming those types of bonds that I think are are essential for the long term success of of our club and and what we're trying to accomplish. So that's kind of the approach we we took and and the relationships that were really critical to me. Mm. And let me close with as we as we eagerly uh, anticipate this Challenge Cup here uh, in June. Your, your goals um, and expectations of that month um, and really the remainder of 2020 for the Spirit and the League? Okay, so, so our expectation going into the tournament is we're going there to win it. You know, we, uh, uh, we have the best collection of young talent in this, in this league. Uh, we, we, we expect our young talent to rise, rise to the occasion. We saw flashes of what, what was – um, the possibilities last year and the players worked incredibly hard during the off season and came in uh, well prepared for this season. So, so we're excited about going out there and, um, and trying to win the thing. I think the experience that the players will have out there will be for the vast majority of the players in the league, a very unique experience. They'll be there for a month. They'll be there uh, both as a team as, as well as being around, all of the uh, the other teams in the league, so that'll be a be a very unique experience for them, and I think they'll find it rewarding. You know that 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 the day will come where they'll look back and say that was that was a pretty cool idea that that took place in in 2020, and all the craziness uh, associated with coronavirus. Post tournament, uh, that that's really to be determined. I can tell you the objective is to play matches and to have venues open where we can bring fans to games. That's, that's what we want to try to accomplish. Uh, whether that is in the form of a league schedule or some a new, new competitive opportunities that we create, possibly bringing in an international team or two to, to play, what, whatever we can do to try to, to bring uh, additional games to bear for the players during the off season is, is very, very critical for us. It's, uh, you know, we have right now, we have a period of time between uh, August 1st and kind of the end of the calendar year where we have to, to fill that for the players and make sure we're, we're serving them with, with a number of matches and in a, and a training environment that, that enhances in their development and the things that they want to accomplish on a personal level. And so that's what we're going to try to work on to make happen. And that's The Bond. There's plenty more to come.